getting you out of the church and back into the wild. Welcome to the Barbarian Prophet. Welcome, my fellow Horde members of the Christian faith, the followers of Jesus Christ. We have a special guest today. My name is Bert Eldridge, and I'll be your host, I'm reckoning. And I'm Jonathan Bergeron, and I suppose I'll be the producer today. Well, good. I'm, You know, Jonathan, <laughs> on occasion, you and I actually need to do some work in the studio, so this is where we're at. But, you know, we're joined by a really special friend of mine today. His name is William Stover. And William Stover has been a friend of mine for, man, I don't know how long have I known you, William? Like 10 years? Longer than that. Longer than that? How long? Yeah, it's about 14 years. Ooh, 14, 14 years. 14, 15, yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that we like to do in here uh, when we're is we like to capture people's testimonies. And, uh, you know, I would, I would like to... I would like William. If you would just start, you were raised in Wyoming. Yeah, Riverton, Riverton, Wyoming. So, mom and dad still married. Yep, they're they're still married. They were married in 1970. 1970. And they're still married and still going strong. Nice. And uh, so, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Let's get back and talk about when you first got started in. Uh, when did you, did you believe in Jesus when you were a little kid? I grew up Southern Baptist, so we, I, I grew up in the church, and went to church every Sunday, went to, they had, it was called RAs for boys, it was a, like a, just a boys group, and they had GAs that were for girls, so of course I was in RAs, because I'm a boy, but... <laughs> Are you are you indicating there's only yeah. two genders in the church? Uh, yes, I'm so triggered right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, my eyes are like wide open. I'm like, what? Okay, so William, at the end of the day, where are we at with things? You you're going to church. At, at about what age did did you start to have a problem with? Did you have a problem with God? Did you always love God? Did you get mad I, at God? What happened? I didn't know God. I knew Him from the stories. And I knew Jesus from the stories, but I didn't know him. I didn't have a personal relationship with him. And when I did come to Jesus, in the, it was at a uh, church camp in the summertime. Um, I seen all my friends were standing up and accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I didn't want to be Phil left out. How old so were you? I was, I think I was like 10, 11 years old. Okay, so so it's a typical uh, preteen. You're you're not wanting to be left out. What right. you want to do is you want to be a part of everything. Um, so you're yep. like, I'm down with the crown. Yep. Yeah. If they man, were I, doing it. I was going to do it. Yeah. They. So of all your friends jumped off a bridge. I was probably yeah. I was yeah. Depending on how how high it was, but yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, this pretty a, much. This yeah. is a pretty high <laughs> bridge, bro. So you take a look at this and you're like, man, I don't want to be left alone. Right. So you bail into it. That's the thing, you know, growing up, I'm an only child, growing up alone, you, you want to be, you want to, for me, I wanted to fit in with everybody, with everything. I was, you know, being alone a lot as a child because my parents worked. Um, it just, that was a main thing for me. I wanted to fit in. Being a sickly kid growing up, I wanted to fit in and be just like everybody else. I didn't want, I was tired of being different. Well, give me a little rundown on this sickly thing. Well, I was, I wasn't even supposed to be born. 
that I'll start it at that. I wasn't even supposed to be born. My parents tried for years and years and years and years, and then finally, the Lord. I know today the Lord blessed my my parents with being able to have children, and I had before I was the age of six, seven. I had before the age of seven, I had six major operations. What well, so, did you have operations on? Um, I had numerous hernia operations and other things that I don't people need to be mentioned. But just you know, they were, they were, yeah, no, nothing like no. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Go <laughs> yeah, on. No, but we'll cut it, that it, part it, out. But. <laughs> That's why I but, make up, <laughs> because that'll tell him where to cut it. But it just, I was very sickly as a child, and my my mom, she always, you know, she wouldn't let me do things because of how sick I was. I was taking, doing allergy shots at the age of eight, you know, years old. I couldn't spend the night at my friend's house because I could get, I was allergic to so many things on top of that. I couldn't even live in a plastic bubble because I was allergic to the bu- the plastic that the bubble was made out of. So, well, I that asked. I, I gotta know is, did you uh, get a non-GMO bubble at that point, or no? They didn't have them. So <laughs> no. The only other thing I could have went to was a glass one, and that wasn't gonna work out too well. I kept breaking it every week. <laughs> <in> my... <laughs> so I mean, I would just that's I mean that's how I lived. That's how I grew up. So I got a young age. I when I'd get around my uncles and stuff, I. would I would be the I was a daredevil I was I wanted because I wanted to be accepted by my uncles and mm-hmm. whatever they said you know for me to do it was I was on it I'm going to prove to the world that hey I can't that's not who I am I am I'm somebody different okay so you had a, a need to please everybody so okay so we've got you you're a little sickly kid you're you can't even live in the bubble because the bubble will kill you yeah and um I mean, life is a gerbil. I'm not even, bro. I mean, you would have hated it. I'm just letting you know. But on the other end is so you've accepted Christ into your life at age 10 or 11, mm-hmm. uh, but you didn't really have a relationship, but you did know who he wi- was at least through the book yeah, and yeah. through people's teachings, right? Exactly, through the Bible. Okay, so you're trying to be a tough guy. I'm summarizing here. Yeah. You're trying to be a tough guy for your uncles, etc., because you don't want to be seen as weak. Exactly. So then the next thing that, that happens is we get, at what age do we start steering off the rails? About, about actually, I started steering off the rails at 88 years old. Not 88, but eight years old. <laughs> eight years old. I mean, because I, mean, I started drinking beer, smoking cigarettes. Was this with your uncles? No. Well, with the beer, it was, but the cigarettes my dad smoked, so I wanted to be just like my dad because he's, to me, you know, he's he's been through things in his life, and I seen him persevere, and I seen how tough he was, how very tough he is, and I wanted to be just like him, so I thought if I smoked, you know, I could be just like dad. Okay, so we start on the smoking business, and then yep. we start on the drinking the business. Drinking, yep. You know, the funny thing is, is how many people start to go off the rails at 8 to 10 years old. They always talk about how when pe- when people are teenagers that that's a problem, but in all reality, when you start to have a consciousness, when you start to have an awareness of things, that's when we start to steer off the rails. So you're smoking, you're drinking. Yeah. When did you start getting high? Well, that's the thing. I They diagnosed me 
uh, ADHD, and so they put me on Ritalin. Oh, the meth starter of yeah. America. Yeah, so that's I started taking Send Ritalin. Send your hate mail to John. <laughs> yeah. it's, I, I can't wait. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, that's what, and that was my first introduction to any type of form of speed. And what it did for me, I didn't like, I, I figured out at a young age that if I took too many, what it would do. But I also figured, I found a breaking point to where if I took way too many, what it would do. And I didn't like to get way out there, but I liked the feeling. It gave me energy. It gave me all, you know, I, I, it even gave me confidence to be able to, that, hey, I am okay. This is okay. Okay, so now you're going through your teenager years, lit up on Ritalin. Yep. And it's given you what you a false sense of security. It did. And you're drinking. I'm drinking. Yeah, s- and smoking the, weed. And the thing is, too, it started at, at when I got to uh, eighth grade. It seemed like this this progression. Every four years, I would really bail off the deep end. Every four years. Why every four years? I do not know to this day. I still haven't figured that out. But it's like, because, well, it, I would do something really bad. Like, I got drunk at the at a, uh, eighth grade dance. Just trashed Halloween dance. So I spent the rest of that time, the rest of the year in ISS. And my dad would pick me up from school. And I would spend the weekend. I would spend the rest of the day with him, you know, until we went home. And so I was under his supervision like no other i wasn't being able to go out and be with my friends and do be an influence you know so but it, it i would that's i would start to climb back out of that that hole that pat that hole i was in doing good things are going good for me i'd get oh i got this i can go back start doing the things i used to do mm-hmm. and then at four years at the age of 13 i well 13, 14, let's see, 16, 17, about seven, 16 years old when I started doing uh, crank. Okay, so now we're on the math. We're yeah. on to the street the, version of Ritalin. Uh, the Ritalin because it wasn't doing, I could, I actually found that I could actually sell my pills and, or trade them for, and I would get a better, it was more, it wasn't a time release or gradual, it was an instantaneous high, high right okay. now. So, so you're doing meth. What else did you? What else did you, were you doing for dope? Uh, smoking a little bit of weed, not too much weed. Weed makes me totally go the other way. It makes me paranoid. So I really didn't like weed. It was probably transported in plastic. Yeah, probably, <laughs> probably was. Yeah, growed out of the borrow ditch. No, that's right, kids. Don't <laughs> don't smoke marijuana. The plastic it gets you. Yeah, especially if you have an allergy. Don't let it get mixed with peanuts. Here's the deal. I'm going to go with Nancy Reagan on this and just say no. Okay, so you're getting high. You're messing up your life. Yeah. You ever get arrested? I got arrested when I was 16 years old. I caught my first federal felony for stealing fireworks, Class A fireworks, which you got to have a Class A. You got to have a demolition license to light these fireworks off they're highly legal and so that was my first experience and i could actually that wasn't my first real experience with jail i could go back to eighth grade again when i got i was messing around like drinking and doing stupid stuff and they're doing stupid things just put it that way but doing stupid things okay and that was my first uh, the uh 
I got put into jail for four hours because my dad was friends with the chief of police. So they thought maybe I could scared straight type thing, you know, set me into jail, lock it shut, leave me in there. We're not coming back for you. That would do something. Well, that didn't in me. That just empowered me even more thinking, oh, man, I can now now I can say I've been in jail at a young age. I, oh, yeah, this is I'm even bigger than I was before now. So what you're saying is reverse effect is a real thing. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so then what happens is you you get out of jail. Now you're out of high school. Now you've caught a felony. Yeah, I was still in high school and I caught my felony. Okay, so did you do prison time or just no, state, they, county, what? Nope, I didn't do no time. It was you're, my real first offense. Yeah, your I, parents had a little influence in the town, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they did. They did, yes, yeah. <laughs> they did. And they, you know, you're lucky to have the mom and it's, dad you got, is yeah, what it sounds like to me. Very lucky. Okay, so let's get past that felony. Okay. Let's get to you have to start spitting out babies. Yeah, at age eighteen, I had my the first. My oldest was born, and uh, I was not there. I was just not. I was not there at all. And then after I seen her born, I didn't see her born. But after I seen a couple, like it might have been a, a few months after that, I tried to re establish a relationship with her mother I did but still using at the same time drinking not you know just just being there and so I ended up then we goes down the road we were together got married divorced from her had another child too and uh still drinking and drugging and trying to hide it and just trying to live life like that and not working at all either. That's that's another thing too. It just well, did she did she get high? She did. I introduced her to it. Okay, so you're you're in the pit. Yeah. You drug her along with I you. I drug her along. Yep. Got two babies. Yep. Got two babies. Now you got a divorce. And then, well, I had a divorce in between the first in in between the kids. We were only married for six months, but we were together. I do believe for like seven years. And being married was totally like, nah. It was not. It was, it was more of a piece of paper saying that you could, you know. You I didn't own, have any covenant ownership. There. No, there was no covenant. Okay, so it. so then you bail off. You're done with that marriage. Then what happens to you? And, and then I. When did you end up in cow? Well, well, then what ended up happening next? Let's go to the next stage. I uh, was getting into trouble again. Caught two more felonies, and they again because of the influence I do believe of my parents and I know today the influence of what Jesus had over the all of my life I can see it now where he's kept me from prison and everything but I caught two more felonies and uh they said they said I had to go to treatment when I got done with treatment Cheyenne I was absconding from my probation because I was wanting to get high again drinking so I took off came back to Fremont County and they arrested me there and I did 30 days and then they said well you're going to CAC in Casper which is like a halfway house for people to readjust to get back into the society from prison right so and that's I went there I got a, my first real job I would say because of CAC and then I met your ex now my, ex-wife. my, my now my ex-wife yeah. we'll call her ex-wife number yeah. two because it ain't yeah. right to mention her name okay it, yeah so so then you meet ex-wife number two. Right. We'll just call her number two. Okay. Okay, so we got number two here. Yeah. Is she get high? Did she, she did then? Well, she didn't. She was in CAC too, and she was totally against it. 
And what she was she was CHC for? She, her? For yeah. drugs. She went okay. to prison for drugs. Okay. Okay. And that's where I met her at work. And I thought she, I thought at the time, you know, I'd prayed to God, you know, because I've gotten a little closer. I knew how to pray to Jesus and knew how to, and, and to pray to him. And don't get me wrong, this whole time I would go into church, you know, and relationship was getting stronger. But, and I thought she was God sent. I thought she was the one because I prayed to God. I said, I'm not going to look at another woman until you, I know you send me the right one. You're going to send me the, my next wife. Okay. And then we were going good. And then one uh, New Year's Eve, some guys showed up and like, oh, you want to get, they were high. And I was like, oh, I can get high. And I knew, and see through CAC too, I was getting high, but I was not high, getting high all the time. I was just periodically getting high through CAC to get through it. I kept getting extended. I ended up doing 16 months out there. Don't keep justifying it, dude. You're even yeah. trying to justify it in your face <laughs> right. right now. It's like, well, I kept doing it because I needed to yeah. to help me. It that's didn't what, help that's you. what I thought. You yeah. know, at the time, I I did believe right. that it, that's, I still needed it to function. Right. So then, uh, okay. So you you met number two, yeah. and you decide she's the one. She's the one. We and, find out she's pregnant, and she proposes to me, and I'm like, yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Because you know, we were going to church at the time. and really What church were you attending? Community of Hope at the time. Okay. And they, we had some mentors. <laughs> In fact, the people that we were living, the place we were renting from, they went to Community of Hope. Okay. And so they were Community helped. of Hope is a good church. Yes, it is. It is very good. I like it. But the thing, you know, I, it was, for me, where I was at and my wife is at at the time, number two anyways, at the time, it was where we, the Lord had us there for a reason. And I know today, you know, he we were there for a reason. Okay, and so you've got the people there that are mentoring you. Mentoring, yes, that's what I'm trying to get out. All right, mentoring. so you mentored with these folks. They were trying to teach you how to live clean and sober. Godly life. And live a reasonable marriage life. Yes, but okay. when you have drugs added into that, because of me, because I knew once I got started on drugs again, there was no stop, and I knew I wasn't going to stop until I was done, done. Okay, so you guys, did you quit getting high? For a minute. How long were you clean and sober? That time, maybe a couple months. I mean, just to put it out there, a month, couple months, and then the Lord was blessing me with good jobs, everything. I mean... We had the kids living with us. There's five kids total. Two of them, my two girls weren't, but they were coming over every week. And we were just, you know, living, trying to live for God the best we could. Okay, so then what happens? Okay, so you're you're getting high on occasion. Yeah. You got these mentors. Did they even understand you getting high? They did because they, they I think they did because they pulled, they would pull me out and pull me aside and you know you're messing up and I had to stay the night at a couple people's houses my wife called Bert one on occasion on a Could father's day you Bert me Bert yes oh, I remember and she wanted me to kill you yep she pretty much did you know but she had drawn the line she and I had to stay in the rescue mission at times you know but I was I was at that point in my life the thing that were I was thinking of, once again I, I needed it to function I needed it to be able to do go to work and work harder to get paid more mm. to you know and which was just a lie from the from yeah. the pit of hell yeah dope is one form of enslavement and work can be another form of enslavement yeah. 
So, all right. So, hey, well, I'm interested. Let's tell the story about, so Bert shows up and grabs you by the throat. Did he beat you up? No, I thought he was. I thought he was going to drag me down the driveway and just tune me up, take me out the sticks and tune me up. Because he said, there, let's go with me for a while. And I'm thinking of this whole time, this guy's going to kill me. Oh. oh, my gosh. I know he loves me, but he's going to kill me out of love. <laughs> I'm going to love that, you to death, William. Yeah, but that's not, not how the night turned out. And no. we went. What does love look like? Love. You know, I'm still seeing that now. I did. That's another thing. I never knew, really knew what love looked like. I thought love was handing somebody money. That's how I was taught what love looked like. To me, that's what I seen, and that's not it, you investing in somebody, investing time in somebody, and really truly caring and and loving them through whatever it is that they're in at that moment in their life, just showing them the right way, just and not giving up on them, knowing and you and seeing people and calling out in them what how seeing people how Jesus sees people, and just. That's that's what I see. That's what love to me is. Amen. It just, so you went. Uh, so I took you for a ride. Yep. Where did I drive you to? I we drove went you to a shop. A shop, and we worked on his rat rod for a little bit, and yeah. he just would sit down and talk to me. Then we'd work on it for some more. I do believe he was trying to wear me down, so maybe you know wear off some of the stuff. But no, he was talking to me. You were. Yeah. And just you then we go say do it's this. me. They understand yeah. it's me. And. You you didn't do anything like I the, like the Satan had told me that you were, was going to transpire. Nothing of the sort happened. No, there was no laying on of hands in any evil way. Prayer, yes, there was laying on hands of prayer, mm-hmm. but not of any malicious attacks or anything like that. <laughs> so, yeah, it gave it gave me a whole uh, that that point there gave me a whole nother outlook on like. People are for real. People really do care. They really do love you. They're not just, you know, there is people out there that really do. Cool. I'm glad that that was helpful. But we ended up getting high a few more times. Not yes, me, I did. you. No, you did. I, I've I did. been high <laughs> decades. Yeah, I did. I, I, I have my own stupid little past, that's, but this started, was yours. Yep. So. I started getting, you know, and that lasted for a minute. You know, I can't say for a few months. And then I started getting high again, and it affected my job. And then my job. Now you were a welder, right? I was a welder, making good money, being able to, you know, bought a house within five years of coming to, really coming to the Lord, bought a house. And it's just, you know, things were going good, being blessed, just blessed beyond. Because I really, at that time when I started coming, when I went to Hope Church, I really, they helped me to understand who Jesus really was. And who he is in my life, and what it's you know how how he is in the workings of Jesus, and for me that was just you know right there. But yeah, I started getting high, lost my job, so we ended up losing the house, moving back to Riverton, and in Riverton, we were there for only two months. But she, the our pastors from Community Hope, came were coming through Riverton, and we went to lunch with them, and I and uh, I didn't realize it at the time, but when I went back to work after lunch, you know, and I flat out told them that I wasn't done, you know, I, you know, I know I'm, I'm not, I'm sinning, I'm not doing right, but, you know, I wasn't, and like I said, once I, I knew once I started again doing drugs, I wasn't going to quit until I was done, until I was done. There's nothing that you could stop me and tell me and do to me that was going to make me stop using drugs. 
not jail, not institutions, not beat me to death, nothing. There was nothing because that's I had it instilled in me. I had been so blinded by the by Satan that I needed this to survive, to live. So, and I got and when and there what the thing is is too is she left. She I get a phone call and I'm at work and it's been a couple hours after lunch and she's all well. I took our it's me and my uh, the youngest boy or my youngest son that we had together. My second wife and I had together, and we're on our way to Casper we're getting help and I'm thinking okay and the first words pretty much out of my mouth that night after I got because I told her I said I'm working I can't I, I can't deal with this right now I'm working mm-hmm. and so after work I said where's the rest of the stuff I asked her that I said where's the rest of the stuff because my mind was still focused oh I got to get rid of this stuff yeah. yeah focused on the dope on the dope and so she told me I did was I was there for another two weeks but during that time she, uh, it was, I was getting more, uh, the Lord was starting to work on me because I couldn't live without her. I thought I couldn't live without her, but it was truly, I couldn't live without him and how separated I had gotten because I turned my life over to him before that truly given him my life. I thought I did anyways, in, in the way that I could understand it. Right. So eventually bing bang boom you end up in casper at the wyoming central rescue central mission. rescue mission yep for and, the first time and you decide you're gonna go through the program which is discipleship program yeah and that's the first time okay i was there and oh, my wife and my wife went through it too and she had the kids with her in the women's center and i was in the men's side right and we came out of that doing good and things were going good again and then here I am thinking I got the bull by the horns. I got life handled. Like, oh, I can do this. I could, I could do this. And I go to Riverton to visit one evening and I run into some drugs. And so I, oh, I got this thinking, you know, being deceived, I can do it. Well, I did it and I was just on that downward spiral again, just right back into it. So then you guys spent a few more years out of control. Out of control, yeah. At least six, six seven, more eight, years. at least. Yeah. And and I kind of lose contact with you there for a yeah. little bit. But but you just stay getting high. Your marriage is constantly exploding, imploding, exploding, yeah. imploding, yeah. working for a day, bad for three months. Yeah, it's, yep. So exactly. Then, and, and, and you got a kid going with you all of the time with this right yeah yep yep that yep my our youngest we're good that's just every time you hear a bell ring an angel gets his <laughs> wings <laughs> so let's bounce on now so you end up back at the rescue mission i yeah I, and I, this I, is I, from it was father's day of 2017 okay so for 2018 excuse me yeah. yeah, 2018, Father's Day. And you end up back down there. Now, this is where you started to make a change. Yeah, that's the Lord. I was laying on the floor of the mission in the dining hall that evening. And I earlier that day, I had drinking a little bit of beer and, and done some more meth. And But I never in my entire life con, was convicted on the level that, for me, I would never been convicted before on this level that I was convicted. I don't cry at anything hardly and I was just sobbed like a baby just crying and just 
just telling the Lord that that's it. I'm done. I I mean, at that point, at that moment, I was done. I was done with life. I was done with everything that had kept held me captive. And that's and from that moment on, I told I said told the Lord. I said I I lay down everything, everything, if whatever it's going to take for me to follow you the rest of my life. I lay it down right now and that if that includes my family friends possessions everything I was no longer going to I was no longer willing to pick anything back up and from my past and try to make it work and fit into what God had for me I was done I laid everything down and I truly gave myself to him a hundred percent that night a hundred percent all right so now you've given yourself to christ and then you start into the discipleship program yeah and dave matthews is the one that's ahead of that correct correct so give me a quick rundown on how the discipleship program works you're you you stay there on campus i i like to call it campus i guess but you stay there and during the mornings you are in the word you're in the word pretty much all day actually but in the mornings it's set up as a, as a classroom deal where you learn to for a, a forgiveness a lot of forgiveness being able to forgive others and to forgive yourself and a lot of repenting and uh, just getting acquainted with the word or reacquainted with the word and then the love of Jesus and who he really is and what he has really done for us and how to live and it helps you go to there's three phases there's phase one and it's like the milk and then you go to phase two and that's like the meat and the potatoes and each phase is four months long and so you know and then you you just learn to live life on Jesus's terms not on for me William's terms on Jesus's terms and how and that's what it's about Cool. And here I've gone through, I'm in phase three now in August, getting ready to graduate the phase three of the discipleship program. Um, I have obtained work. I've learned how to live soberly and live godly and to live. And every day is a, is a challenge, is a process, but be able to live how Jesus wants me to live in society. But you're also not living in the mission anymore. No, I live, I have a place of my own too now. And so, and that's the thing, in phase three, you transition out of the housing and into a secure environment, into society, back out into society. And we, but you still can go back there and, you know, you're still affiliated with them. You still talk to them and all you still, the services are still all there, but they just want you to be able to transition out. So you can, it's for people, you know, so you can learn to live life soberly. Absolutely. And I know that you've developed a whole new line of friends. Whole new line of friends. And, and there's a lot of friends from my past, but at the same token, I'm not talking. I'm from the church, from right? The, from the church, not. From, I let go of all my friends that are from the other side of the tracks. I should say, you know, maybe that's not a correct terminology. I don't care. Oh, but, it's all good. But I let go of thing, all them friends when I said. The one thing we are here is not politically <laughs> correct, so you're good. But yeah, you let all those friends go. I let them all go, and, and I you, and I see them in the passing. But that's all it is—is is in the passing. Excuse me, until the Lord tells me and releases me to be able to 
talk to them. So you attend church now? I attend church now. I attend a restoration church, and I attend another group. It's called, I don't know, it's not a church. It's a horde. It's a group. I don't know what you call it. But call it we call it awake. Awake. Okay, awake on Saturday nights. And uh, Well, what's the difference between awake and restoration? Awake is, to me, it's... We it's we sit in a half moon, like a half circle kind of like thing. We worship, just like you know in any other church. We worship the Lord first, and then we whatever you know the topic may be. Maybe Brent, maybe Bert, bringing in a topic or a subject or a, a message, a word we need to receive, need to hear, or if I've given my testimony there. Um, other people, if they want, if they have something you know that they would like to share. You know, you got to pass it, you know, get it okayed through the uppers, people, mm-hmm. you know, like Burt and Brent and whatnot, you know, to make sure that it is pointed in the direction of God, you know, that they're, you know. But, and you can ask questions. That's, that's one of the awesomest things. You can raise your hand if you're ha- if they're saying something. You can raise your hand and ask them, well, hey, I don't understand this and this. And they'll address it as best as as we all can at that moment. And it's it's... It's like a Bible study, but it's not. It's just something totally different that I've never, never seen before, never heard of before. It's it's just awesome. We're a family, and we actually care. And it's a and it's also a place for like people like myself, addicts. You know, we don't. To me, I didn't really fit in with the you know other bodies of church. You know, which is okay. There's a place for everybody in the body of Christ. There's a place if wherever you feel comfortable in whatever church, and there. A, a Jesus believing, God fearing, bringing the word correctly, not watered down, place a church. More, you need to go. For me, this is Saturday nights, and I need something to fill my Saturday nights too. And this is, like I said, this is my family, so I'm going to there. Cool. Uh, well, so you're on track with Jesus. Amen. And you ended up divorced from number two. Yep, got divorced. Because she has her path and you have I yours. I have my path and I kept trying to drag her with me, but. And well, but it's not up to us. It's she's, not up to she's us. She's got to make a choice. Yep. Amen. She's got to make a choice. You spend time with your kids? With my kids. I have five kids, four grandkids. How's your mm-hmm. relationship with mom and dad now? Excellent. And uh, what are we going to do? I'm, I'm just curious. Yep. So I'm going to close out with this is what can we do to make sure that at four years that we set some type of alarm that we start paying attention? Well, that's the thing. I'm not even looking at that right now because I'm not even believing because I am such a different person now today. I know who lives and I know who lives in me. That's what I needed to hear. I know who lives in me and what he has done for me. Amen. There is no that I'm not. That's like a that's like a to me it's a, a generational curse. Okay. And I place that on myself, thinking that well I broke that curse. That's not going to happen anymore because that's not who I am. Okay. That is not who I am. Now I'm going to give you two minutes. Now there's an addict listening right now. There's there's a there's a guy there's a gal that they've already smoked meth and they've got on their hair buds and for whatever reason they were like man. I'm going to tune into this weird show. And so they tune in here. And William Stover, you've got two minutes. Why should they quit getting high? Why should... 
because all it is, it's alive from the pit of hell. And it is nothing but darkness, and no good will ever come out of it. No matter every time I would go back to using drugs, it's because that was a, a comfortable place. It was an easy place. I knew that place very well. But on the other side, in the light, not being in the darkness, loving myself, loving other people, and knowing that Jesus, no matter what we do, and that's it, you can always turn to Jesus, and he is always standing there with open arms, wanting you, wanting wanting you to come to some, a life that is so much better, that it's not easy, but it is so much better. It is it's freeing being free I never understood what the word free was but I am free today because I have Jesus living in me and he loves you no matter what you've done no matter where you've been there's nothing that you can ever do that you can ever change him his mind and change him from not loving you and that's I mean I no longer live in darkness I live in the light there's darkness around me but I am the light that walks into the darkness because of who lives in me. And to see the smiles, true smiles, if people truly care. Amen. William, thank you. Thank you. That was a good one. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't think that you realize the impact you're having on people right now. And that just that that whole session is just you sharing you're going to make an impact on people's lives we're never going to meet but when they uh when they change when you get to heaven there's going to be somebody shaking your hand over that last two minutes and saying thank you so mom and dad you got a kid out there struggling why don't you just take a couple of minutes and number one never stop praying for them never Never stop loving them but when you when you love them that also means healthy boundaries yes and the other don't enable we have healthy boundaries but on the other end don't be afraid to let them listen to this show say hey i want you to hear a guy and even if they don't want to listen to the whole 30 minutes 35 minutes get them dialed into that last couple of minutes because that is what changes lives because we overcome by the blood of the lamb amen and the word of our testimony and that is why this show is so about capturing the right testimonies for people living in the wild. So I'm your host, Bert Eldridge. I'm Jonathan Bergeron, your producer. And thank you, William, for being our guest today. Thank you for having me. Today's show is brought to you by Craig Nagel at Frontier Tattoo Company, Santan Valley, Arizona. Be sure to look him up on Facebook and make an appointment. And if you would like to be a sponsor of our show, just look us up on social media and reach out. We will be sure to be mentioning your name at the end of our show.